We begin today just a New Year's conversation, uh, talking about being at the beginning of a new year and how we should think about it, what we can do about it. My text today is in Mark's Gospel, <coughs> chapter 8. I'll begin, be beginning a new series, of course, on the Lord Jesus as we start next week. But this one is just one of my favorites, and so... I think it's a good New Year's text. I want to think about it. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 8 today. I have an Uncle Ad. You've heard me talk about him many, many times. He was one of my favorite people. And he was a natural-born teacher. He was always teaching me something. He taught me about cows and calves. Taught me about trees and chainsaws. Taught me about gardens and growing. Taught me about building and construction. But most of all, he taught me about life. He had little sayings that stuck with me for a whole lifetime. And sayings that were meant to form attitudes and opinions. And when we were working hard on hay or any chores that we would did he'd stop in the middle and say to me hey a little faster if you can stand it and I would dig in down deep find a little bit more so he taught me to have drive and determination in life by urging me on that way and he used to say to me this the best boss you can work for is someone who's worked for somebody else <laughs> and so he taught me that the best way to treat people is with kindness. And you can catch more flies, as they say, with honey than you do with vinegar. One of his favorite sayings that he often repeated was this. There's no time like the present. And with that, he taught me that procrastination is a bad policy for life in general. If you want to accomplish, you should always remember there's no time like the present. Let's do it now. I remember the time when he was diagnosed with throat cancer. And the doctor met with him. And he gave him options for treatment or not treatment. And he gave an answer that he told me, he said, I looked at that doctor and I said, I want to live. And by his actions, he taught that life is worth living. If you can make a choice, choose life. Later on in life, he told me over and over, we used to spend our summers with him, summer vacations. He told me this many times, you Olsen boys got real nice wives. I don't know how. He said, you don't deserve them. And he'd say, so you better be nice to her. And I still think of that, what he said after all these years. You better be nice to her. And I do try to do that. <laughs> She's nodding her head, yes. So. See, Uncle Ed saved my neck again. In this world we're living in, is so confused. People are so misled 
They're so filled with bad advice. And sometimes it's hard to sort all of it out. And people get discouraged in this world that we live in. They lose focus. They get sidetracked with a constant barrage of opinions being fed to us through something like the internet, or news sources. My mother said, don't forget there's a switch, you can turn it off. <laughs> it can be confusing to stay focused in this world on what really matters. Always, always the best source for how to live life comes from Jesus. There's nobody who understood life better than he did. And no one ever gave such good advice about life as Jesus did. So to help us begin a new year on the right track, I thought I would examine the life advice that Jesus gave and hope it'll help us as we begin a new year. Our text today is in Mark chapter 8. And as always when you read the Bible, some event happens to trigger the conversation. And you need to know what that is. Jesus is explaining to his disciples what is going to happen to him personally in the future. Mark chapter 8, I begin reading at verse number <coughs> 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Now on several occasions Jesus told the disciples how his life was going to end. Exactly how. And it's amazing to see that when those events happened, the disciples were completely surprised. Completely surprised. Though he had explained it over and over, they had no idea what was going to happen. Peter, now in this case, he says he begins to rebuke Jesus. That is, that Peter said, look, that's not going to happen to you. Stop saying those things. We would never let that happen to you. Jesus reacts in verse 33. When he turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Wow. <laughs> Jesus called Peter Satan. Why did he call Peter Satan? Because Satan would oppose Jesus every step of the way. Every step of the way. And Peter is opposing what Jesus said. But notice the explanation that Jesus gives. Peter, you savor now, you know what something is that you savor, right? You really like it. I just had a lot of things that I savor just lately. <laughs> As Christmas rolls around. You savor or you prefer man's way and not God's way. 
So Jesus explains that there are two ways to look at life. There's man's way, and then there's God's way. And if you prefer man's way, Jesus says you are opposing God's way. The two cannot exist together. So Jesus gathers everyone around him. He begins to explain the difference. And here's the way to live life God's way. Verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus says to follow me, to live my way, will require certain things from you. The first thing you must do, he says, is to deny yourself. Now over the years, people have misunderstood what Jesus said. And they think that to follow Jesus, you must deny yourself things. Some people through the years took vows of poverty and they denied themselves material things, thinking that they were following this instruction. Others took vows of silence. They denied themselves conversation. And a lot of people denied themselves meat on Friday. They had a fish fry instead. You know that that's what's behind it. It's the denial of something that was meat on Friday. But Jesus didn't say deny yourself something. Not what he said. He said deny yourself. So what does Jesus mean when he says deny yourself? I want you to think back with me and recall the night that Jesus was arrested. And you know that that was the night that Peter denied Jesus. And Peter, you recall, was warming himself by a fire. And a young lady listened to him talk. And then the lady said to him, I recognize you. You're one of his disciples. And what did Peter say? He said, I don't even know him. I don't know Jesus. So Peter denied Jesus by saying, I don't know him. Now Jesus says to us, deny yourself. And I always think of it this way. So you go and you look in the mirror. That's you in there. Whether you think or not. That's you in the mirror. And you go and you look in the mirror and you say, who are you? I don't even know you. I don't know who you are and I don't know what you want. That's the first thing you need to do to follow Jesus. Our problem is we're born selfish. It comes natural to us. And if you follow Jesus, the number one rule is this. You cannot live selfishly and follow Jesus. 
Life doesn't revolve around you. So you begin to follow Jesus by saying, I don't know myself. I don't know what I want. I can look in the mirror and I can say, Eric Golden, who are you? What do you want? I don't know you. That comes first. If we get our thoughts correct. Then Jesus said this, take up your cross. What does he mean to take up your cross? Now some people think, okay, here we go. We're going to follow Jesus. And following Jesus means there's a whole lot of bad things are going to happen to me. So take up your cross, put on a long sad face. Here we go, following Jesus. Now I will admit that sometimes bad things happen to us. But I don't think that's exactly what Jesus meant when he said take up your cross. Back in Jesus' time, the Romans were crucifying people all over the place. Everybody had witnessed it. All the people that Jesus spoke to were eyewitnesses of crucifixion. Everybody had seen it. And my friends, when you saw someone pick up their cross and carry it, they were going out to be crucified. And when someone picked up a cross, they were never coming back again. My friends, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people start out to follow Jesus and then turn around and go back where they came from. That concept is well stated in the old song we used to sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. So if you want to live life the way Jesus recommends. There's no selfishness and there's no turning back. So now, you just started. Just started. Verse 35. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospel, the same shall save it. The way life works following Jesus is just the opposite of the way most people live. The two methods, God's way and people's way, are exact opposites. So if you run around saying, I got to preserve my life, I need some me time, I can't let people use me up, I got to save my life for me, what happens is just the opposite. Grasp your life and try to reserve it for yourself. And when it's over, you got nothing. You got nothing. But Jesus said, give your life away. 
Give it to God. Serve Him and do His will and serve others. And spend your life energy for God and you'll have a wonderful life. It will not slip through your fingers if you do that. As he used to say, only what you do for God will last and only what you give God will you keep. The world says, reach out and take it and grab it and make it your own. Jesus says, the way up is down. The way to be great is to serve everybody. The way to have is to give it away. Whosoever will lose his life for me, the same shall find it. A fulfilling and satisfying life. Jesus tells us now what you should really consider as being valuable in this life. Verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world or lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Every one of us has something deep inside of us It thinks, but it's not thought. It feels, but it's not feelings. It remembers, but it's not memory. It's conscious, but it's not consciousness. It's a great mystery. Your life, your soul, the beating heart of who you are is more valuable than anything else you could own. Now if someone came up and said, Eric, I'll trade you all the money in the whole world for your soul, I would scoff at it. I would say, is that all you got? (laughs) That's all you got to offer? No thanks. My soul is worth much more than that. But here's the shocking part now of what Jesus said. You could lose your soul. The most valuable thing you own is your soul. And surely I own it and it's mine. No. Jesus said you could lose it. That mysterious life that God put within you and you think with it and you feel with it and you remember with it and you desire and you crave and hunger things. God gave it to you. Nourish it. Feed it. Treasure it. Let it be all God wants it to be. That's why he gave it to you. Or if you don't, it will shrivel up and die. My friends, there is nothing so deadly, no disease, as a God-starved soul. So feed your soul. Make it grow. Jesus says now, no selfishness, no turning back. Treasure your soul by giving it to God. That's a good way to live your life. Now, How do we know we're on the right path? How do we know we're living the way that Jesus said here that we should live? He gives us what I call a symptom. 
Something that tells whether you're living right or not. This is a warning that comes from Jesus. Verse number 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The symptom of someone who's really not living for Jesus is that they are ashamed. They're ashamed to speak up for Jesus. Ashamed to be known as a Christ follower. Ashamed to be different from the world around them. Obviously, if you are ashamed of Jesus, you have missed the whole point. You speak up for Jesus, and you live for him, and you stand out, and you be different for him. So that others will see the life you live and also desire what you've got, the desire to be a following of Jesus. And if you're ashamed and refuse to speak up, what Jesus just said is chilling. God help you. God help you. When Jesus comes and they say, well, here's this person. He never spoke up for Jesus. Jesus said, I'll be ashamed of you when I come. I won't speak up on your behalf. That's a chilling statement. And if Jesus won't speak up for you, who will? Who will? That day is when you'll know for sure that your life has been a failure. The story is told back in ancient Rome, and one of the Caesars wanted a stadium built. So he hired an architect. He told him, if you build my stadium the way I want it, I will have a day to honor you when we open the stadium. And so the architect built the stadium the way Caesar wanted. Caesar was pleased. And so they had the first event, which was to honor that architect. And to open the stadium, they brought in the crowds, of course, and they brought several Christians in, and they opened the gates to let the half-starved lions out. And the lions ate the Christians. And Caesar then pointed to the architect to honor him. And the architect stood to his feet and he said, I am a Christian. And they threw him to the lions. You can bet God's not ashamed of that architect. You can bet that. My father always told me fear of ridicule is the worst form of cowardice. If we want to live our lives the way we should, take Jesus' advice. Speak up and let this world know we've come to live for Jesus. 
Not for ourselves. We're never going to turn back. We will never surrender. We deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. And that's the way to begin a new year. So happy new year. You don't need psychology. You don't need theories. Don't trust the government to be your help. The philosophies of this world are in opposition to God. Get it straight. Jesus said, Oh, that we would savor the things of God. All you need is Jesus if you're going to live like you should. There's an old song we used to sing when I was a kid. It said... It's so well. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with him along the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let him have his way with thee. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood will cleanse your heart and make you free. His love will fill your soul and you will see it was best for him to have his way with thee. So in this So in this new year let's remember what Jesus said. Let's live for him. Then we'll come out right. It'll come out right in the end. You can trust him. He's got good advice. It'll come out in the end. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you down deep in our hearts for giving us such clear advice. Teach us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and determine to go on and never quit. Help us to see that you have the best way. And the more we close to you, closer we get, the better off we'll be. And so in this confused and upside-down world, we look to you for advice on how to live. And we lay aside the things that so easily distract us and look to you, that you will bless our lives and make them what they ought to be. Help us, we pray. We throw ourselves on your mercy and on your kindness. And we know you have been faithful to us right from the beginning, before we were born and in our mother's womb. We thank you this new year that we trust in those things. We can put our faith in Jesus, come what may. So bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn books, if you will. One more. Standing in the same 208 is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Standing in the same 208 is so sweet to trust in Jesus.
our heads for a word of prayer. Dear kind Heavenly Father, we know that we need you, and we need more grace to trust you more. We ask that you will come our way and show us what you can do in this new year. Let it be a year of power as God comes and moves among us. May we know that God is real, and we've seen evidence of it. Come into our hearts, break down our selfishness, and make us who we ought to be. Trust in you with all our hearts and never turn back. We thank you for your good word to us. And we thank you for the folks that have gathered here today. That they might hear it and take it into their own hearts. Bless each one because they've been here today. Do something special for each person that's gathered here with us this day, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.